Welcome to the Travel Pulse podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Travel Agent Academy. Travel Agent Academy provides you with the most advanced interactive travel agent training available today on products sure to both impress and protect your clients. From popular destinations to top resorts around the world, plus cruises and comprehensive travel insurance. The award-winning content is designed to help you learn and retain information in fun and interactive ways and help you increase bookings by empowering you to sell as a specialist. You'll learn how to acquire a strong grasp of each product's key selling points. You can gain credits, earn rewards, and even learn on the go on your tablet device. Learn more about these free programs at TravelAgentAcademy.com. What's up, everyone? Today is Tuesday, May 30th. Happy Travel Tuesday, everyone. We've got a great show for you today, talking big news around the world of travel. And joining me on the show now is Ryan Corrigan, owner and founder of Corrigan & Co. Luxury Travel Outfitters. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Hi, thanks for having me, Eric. Great to have you. I appreciate you uh, jumping on and talking travel here. We've got a lot to discuss. Ryan and I are going to discuss a little bit of how travel changes lives and tips for travel advisors as well. But before we get into that, uh, Ryan, will you just tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself, how you got started in the travel industry and all that good stuff? Absolutely. So I uh, I grew up an expat in Europe. So I've actually was uh, born in Chicago, raised in London, and we spent some time in Milan and Germany. So travel has been pretty foundational to my entire life. It was something that my parents felt very uh, invested in and really liked to um, expose my younger sister and I to. And um, I came back to the United States for uh, college and uh, I just kind of never went away. I, I did veterinary medicine for over 10 years and uh, due to some industry changes, I just really needed a, I needed a change in my life and, um, you know, found myself at 3 a.m. Googling whether, you know, travel agents were still a thing. And here we are three years later um, having a great time being a luxury travel advisor. Love it. Yes. And thriving as well as a, a future fellow future leader of the, in the travel industry and the future leaders yeah, of travel Yeah, that was very exciting. Yeah. So uh, Ryan and I are going to discuss again how travel changes lives and uh, tips for travel advisors as well. But before we get into that discussion, we're going to dive into what has been trending in the world of travel in the last week. And we begin with a Memorial Day recap, as this past weekend was a busy one for travel. Airlines appeared to have handled the crowds okay. You know, uh, there was some, definitely some massive crowds over the weekend, and it was a busy one as U.S. air passenger travel topped 2019 pre-COVID levels over the weekend. And this was according to the TSA, and they screened at 9.79 million people at airports from Friday to wow. Monday. Yeah, so a big, big, massive crowd of people over the weekend. Shout out to all TSA workers, because I'm sure that it probably wasn't very fun. Uh, <laughs> unless you just absolutely love your job and you're just that type of person, which I don't yeah. know that I've ever run into those type of people at TSA, but uh, with, yeah, no. <laughs> that's a conversation for a different day, I guess. But um, anyway, yeah, so it was 2.7 million alone on Friday. And I'm curious wow. to see, you know, what uh, today's numbers are going to be for, for Tuesday's numbers uh, on that, because that a lot of people do choose to fly back today as opposed to you know on monday but uh, i think mondays was like 2.5 and yeah so a lot of people but in the, the big one here for big takeaway too is you look back to last summer and the craziness that that was and you know this past winter break and the last big holiday rush that that was there uh this time for memorial day weekend there were less than one percent of flights were canceled during the holiday weekend so that's awesome right there we um, love to see it we yeah love to see it indeed so ryan how, how was the weekend for you and your clients any mishaps any big wins to celebrate any any trips that no. really stood out? Yeah, we we had a very successful holiday weekend in terms of uh, 
clients making their their connections. Um, a lot of domestic travel um, I've seen. I think this Memorial Day weekend, at least for my clientele, falls in kind of a, a lull between the spring break uh, and the true summer travel. So a lot of people just choose to do Hawaii or um, Caribbean or something that's closer uh, to their home. But yeah, you know, touch wood, nothing has, has gone wrong so far and everything is, um, everything is staying calm so far. That's good. Yes. We, we love to hear that and love to see it as an industry wide too, because there was a lot of heat last summer. So this is a good kickoff. You know, the, the Memorial Day weekend is always, you know, the, the unofficial kickoff to summer. Technically, exactly. the, the calendar wise, it's still spring or whatever. We don't have summer until June 20th, 21st, whatever the first day of summer is. Uh, it's not my favorite right. season, so I don't know the exact date on that. Um, <laughs> September 22nd, Thanks. fall is. So I, I know fall, but <laughs> that's my favorite one. But yeah, that I mean, that's absolutely a big win for, for the airline and the aviation industry as it is. And, you know, you got to keep your fingers crossed that it keeps rolling, you know, that they're staffed. Okay. And mm-hmm. we've got the next big one in July 4th coming up. And that's gonna be uh, an interesting one because July 4th, I think is on a Tuesday this year. Let me pull up my calendar. Um, yeah, yeah, July 4th is on yeah. a Tuesday this year. So I think that'll be a really busy weekend, July 1st, being a Saturday, June 30th, you know, that we'll count that whole weekend. And then, yeah, really, I think you'll have a lot of week long trips for that. Are, are you already seeing um, a lot of interest in Bookings have yeah, already we, certainly occurred. We already have quite a bit of uh, bookings over that. Um, I would call it end of last week of June, first week of July. Um, and like you said, because of the way it falls, a lot of people um, that are you know in the workforce are already just being given that extra Monday and Tuesday off, or they're taking choosing to take it off. Obviously, children are out of school at that point, so uh, it lends itself to a lot of flexibility. And I think because of the way it falls on a Tuesday, I'm seeing people wanting to make the most of that week. Whereas, um, you know, in the past pre-COVID, I think a lot of people chose to just kind of keep that as a, a long week depending on when if it falls on a, a weekend or a Monday you know if it's on the weekend usually you only get the Friday or the Monday right. off um, some people get both but I think uh, people are definitely capitalizing it and I'm definitely still seeing a lot of that revenge travel post-COVID so a lot of people are are really using their vacation days this year which is encouraging yeah that is great because a lot of people leave vacation on the floor and they they don't ever get to it they don't they waste their PTO time. And so it's nice to see Correct. that is um, kicking back up. And, you know, when we get to the end of the year, we'll, uh, I guess early 24, we'll look back on uh, what those numbers say as far as, you know, the, the stats on people using their actual vacation days and stuff. So mm-hmm. we, um, I don't know that we'll have, you know, a 2.8 or 2.9 or anything <laughs> higher than the 2.7, the Memorial Day Friday had right. just, just for, for July 4th specifically, just because it is on a Tuesday and people are going to mm-hmm. leave sporadically around that, but um, it'll be fun to, to see how that goes. And, you know, we'll keep our fingers crossed and knock on wood that uh, there's no further crazy mishaps or any other summer from hell like there was last year, which, oh, had, you know, God, doesn't yes. exaggeration on summer from hell, but it's, that's it's a strong phrase, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't huge. It wasn't all, um, hunky dory and cakes and right. cupcakes and treats and I, I don't I don't even there, know what I'm saying. There was a lot going on last summer. <laughs> Indeed, yes. And as we look at two other airport um news, do you think there's just a I mean, as we talk about this, there's a lot of pressure on the airlines and the airports this summer uh, as opposed to, you know, just to rebound from because I think more so because winter was terrible and that as opposed to last summer. Last summer, you know, staffing was still kind of coming back and everything, but then you look at the winter fiasco of uh, Christmas time issues some airlines and stuff had. I think there's a lot of pressure just on airlines to really get it right this time. I could not agree more, Eric. I think that the airlines have, have never 
been under as much scrutiny as they are now. And kind of rightfully so. I mean, there's we've seen the mishap with uh, Southwest and how they handled that. And um, then you compile that with just, you know, natural weather delays, overselling of flights. Um, people expect their airfare to be pretty darn perfect. Um, and I try to always, you know, advise my clients that travel inherently comes with challenges and unpredictabilities. But I, I would say that even as an advisor, my expectations for the airlines are quite high and in, in what you are proactively doing to, I love to see the airlines do more of the, you know, your flight's been canceled or we know you're going to miss your connection, but we've already proactively rebooked you on something. Um, but even from an airport standpoint, like you were saying, I do think that the, you know, everybody from TSA to refueling to maintenance, there's, there's never been more pressure, I would say, than this, this summer to get it right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they've, they've got to get it done. When we talk about scrutiny and you talk about, you know, TSA and wait times and stuff, uh, Bounce came out with a report last week about the longest and the shortest wait times at airports. And it surprised me a little bit on the top of that. We can check out the full list on travelpulse.com. And I'll give the quick three here on the, 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 the longest wait times was JFK, San Francisco and Miami. And the shortest was uh, BWI in Maryland, San Antonio and yeah. San Jose were the uh, top three uh, on, on that side of things, which is an interesting list all around. And you know, certain factors all at play and everything. But my always reaction when I see like short wait times and long wait times and is just like, if that's ever a concern to you, one, show up to the airport three to four hours before your, your time or two, just get TSA pre-check and just, yeah, yes. you won't have to worry about waiting. But even, yeah. I would say even with TSA pre-check, you, you still have to allow for extra time because even those mm-hmm. lines are still, can They're be extremely long with the amount of people that now have TSA pre-check and, um, you know, I, I am a person that my MO to much of the chagrin of everyone that I travel with is to basically, I like to show up to the airport and walk onto the plane as they close the door behind me. So I always tell people to do as I say, not as I do, <laughs> uh, in terms of showing up and providing enough time at the airport. Um, but especially this summer, I would definitely encourage travelers to add an extra 30 to 45 minutes onto whatever you think you normally feel comfortable with um especially if it's an airport you know that you you know i'm happy that my home airport of uh dia denver is is not on that list um but it's not on either of the lists right so it's you know it's kind of in the middle but um i'm flying on wednesday and i I plan on at least getting there two hours early which for me is unheard of (laughs) i'm also flying wednesday too i'll be flying to fort lauderdale out of my home of atlanta so atlanta's pretty busy but i always sort of bypass a little bit of things. One, I pre-check, and two, I always go to the yeah. international terminal uh, to go through security in Atlanta as opposed that's to a, the domestic. That's a good hack. So, yep. yeah, more, more, a few more people are, are starting onto that, but they also have weird hours uh, with TSA over on the international side. Oh, so sometimes I just get there and the TSA isn't even open and I'm like, oh, I got to wait. You know, there's only 20 people online. Oh, no, instead of, you know, two people, but I digress. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, yeah. speaking of scrutiny, though, Air New Zealand is uh, facing a little bit of uh, interesting heat, I guess, if you will. Um, some people aren't too thrilled about this. Uh, they are going to start weighing passengers prior to boarding. They're already doing it on domestic. Now they're going to be doing it on international as well. And it's Ryan. I mean, it's 2023. Why is this even needed? They say it's in the name of safety and they have, you know, they say that it'll be completely anonymous and not even they will be able to see your weight and everything. And I still, I just, 
is it is it necessary? I don't get it. I, I feel like with 2023 technology as it is, like this shouldn't be a thing. Shouldn't have to. People shouldn't this have to worry. This is a completely about. wild headline to me. I frankly was flabbergasted, and and honestly, Eric, it it makes me a little apprehensive and frankly nervous about the fallout from this. I mean, we already have so much bad press with passengers behaving badly. And then you try to encourage people to step on a scale before they board. I just, I'm already fearing the headlines of, um, of what the fallout of that's going to be. And especially from the American tourists is not going to love being asked to be weighed before they get on uh, a flight. Indeed, yeah, and I think even some of the Australian tourists probably won't be too keen on it. They're probably flying Airs in New Zealand a little bit more than Americans, but yeah, you, right. you look at that, and uh, it it doesn't sound great on that. So I don't know how they'll spin that around. And you talk about you Correct. know bad passengers. We got to go to the latest naughty passenger that came out this past week, and a dude out of in Asia uh, opened the cabin door mid mid plane. I mean, it happened as the plane was close to landing, so because you're not really actually supposed to be able to open that up, but they said it happened, right. you know, right as you, right as it was getting close to landing and the full investigation on there was, there was a video going around and I, I got to know, I mean, if this, how would you react to this, Ryan? If you're on a plane and the cabin door somehow is open or some emergency happened, are, are you busting out the phone and you're filming right away? Are you eyes closed? Are you freaking out, clutching your hands to the, the, uh, I almost said steering wheel because I'm thinking about it. Right. <laughs> no, the, um, the armrest. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think my, frankly, my reaction, would, I'm pretty level-headed, but that would be pretty terrifying. I don't have a strong, you know, understanding of the physics of that. So I think the unpredictability of not knowing exactly what the consequences are going to be, um, I'd be pretty scared, to be completely honest. Pulling my phone out would not be um, on my I mean, if I were pulling my phone out, it would be like to text my family that I love them and take care of my daughter, but right. yeah. <laughs> it would not be to film. Um, I just, I can't, I, I can't even fathom why someone would do that. And to put hundreds of people at risk is just, it's completely insane. Yeah. It's um, mind boggling, right? Yeah. It's, I, mean, I would I, be very scared, very scared. <laughs> yeah. As, as would I. And I think, yeah, my first reaction would be, I'm, I'm going to call my family and tell them this is happening. I don't know. Uh, unless I was like in that row and that guy was in my row or it, like it happened like right next to me, you know, I, I think then maybe I would, you know, journalistically feel an obligation of, I got to record this crazy person. Like no one's going to believe right. this type of thing, but yeah, if I'm in the back of the well, plane. Because when I, you when you open the door, am I correct in remembering like the door's gone? Like it's it's off yeah, the plane. It's yeah, that's like what the video shows. Yeah, there's, it. yeah, yeah. Yep. So yeah, it's just not there. They um. So this was a report on uh, they on CNN. They spoke to an aviation expert, Jeffrey Thomas, and he called the incident very bizarre. Technically, it's not possible to open yes. those doors in flight, but he explained that the landing speed of an Airbus 321, like this one, is roughly. 172 miles an hour or so an airstream of that velocity would have been passing over the fuselage when the door located behind the wing opened. So it seems implausible that the door could be open in the first place. And then against the airstream, technically impossible, but somehow or another it has happened in this. So yeah, there's more investigation going on. This happened over in uh, South Korea. So it's a crazy incident. I, I, this would be an even wilder story if this ever happened on a domestic flight or any of the major U.S. airlines, I feel like, but right. it's probably flying a little bit more under the radar because it did happen. And, you know, I, I see it because I'm in the travel industry and I see these types of things all over, but didn't make right. as big a headlines over the, the long weekend, you know, as, as it might have if this was a it happened in America, which is, you know. Right. If it was a, a United flight or an American flight, we would Ooh. be, Ooh, I yeah. mean, 
<laughs> shades the implications of, uh, would be huge. Right, yeah. yeah, it would be throwing it back to, what was it, five, six years ago now on the the doctor that got dragged off and, yeah, oh, you know, and yes. the crazy yeah, stories yeah. and everything that followed of that. And, yeah, so good thing that, yeah, hopefully that never, ever, ever happens on a flight that you or myself or anyone listening yeah. is on. Hopefully it never happens again, but... Yeah, people get stopped all the time trying to open that door. And shout out to flight attendants for that. They you you do more than you have to. Flight attendants. It's, they are it's, the the saints of the sky. The stuff that they put up with in, in this day and age is is really right. remarkable. It's it is a lot. We love you, flight attendants. <laughs> Indeed, we do. Um, so that wraps up aviation news. We'll quickly touch on some destination news here and get your thoughts on the big stuff in the destination over the last week and other, other than the Memorial Day travel stuff was uh, Florida travel warnings continue to be up in the news. Florida, the Sunshine State really remains in the spotlight too. You've got the Disney and DeSantis feud has been ongoing um, in the last weeks here. The Human Rights Campaign, the NAACP, they all issued travel warnings about visiting Florida amid Governor Ron DeSantis' new laws towards women, minorities, immigrants, and the LGBTQ community. So they're continuously in the spotlight for these ongoing things but uh, it's actually not stopping people from visiting florida florida set records in for tourism in 2022 and they actually just had a record q1 for 2023 visitation too here so people are going to florida uh, ryan what are your thoughts mm-hmm. on this florida's tourism ongoing in the news you know i think it's very sad um just from a, a general state of the world or state of the country uh standpoint it makes me very sad but from a tourism standpoint I don't see, at least from my clients, I don't see any boycotting or any um, decrease in in interest there. Um, I still do a fair amount of Miami, a fair amount of um, Key West, and of course, Orlando and Disney tend to be pretty big in the summer months. I don't sell a lot of Florida, but um, when it is requested to me, you know, I will I will book it. I if I had a client that I felt might be um, affected by the regulations and the changes, you know, of course I would, would be sure to um, educate them, but I do know it is a conversation amongst travel advisors that I'm hearing more uh, often with some agencies simply boycotting selling completely um, and refusing to kind of work down there, um, you know, to each their own, but it, it definitely is a hot button issue right now for sure. Indeed. Yeah. And I think one thing that, um, a lot of people are missing out on this is that these were travel warnings. It's not that no one was out, outright calling for a ban on visiting Florida as with, uh, for these organizations. Right. And just a warning for awareness about the new laws and everything, which I think, yeah, some people are missing out on that point is, you know, we got some really interesting hate email uh, over the last week on, on literally just a reaction to the, the news story of like, here's the news story that this warning was issued and people took problems with that news and hated on our writer for literally reporting mm-hmm. the news. But that's, that's, like you said, the sad state of, of the world that we're in on, on, on yeah, with, with that. I've been treating the whole kind of state of, of Florida kind of the way you would any other uh, international country that's um, not friendly to the LGBTQ um, community and um, just providing that education, which I think is, you know, as the name suggests, part of our major role as advisors is to educate people on the um, pros and cons of the destination they're interested in visiting. And it's up to them to decide whether they're comfortable with that uh, or not. Very well said. So that wraps up what has been trending in the world of travel in the last week. Podcast at travelpulse.com is the email you can reach out. Let me know your thoughts on 
this uh, Florida situation or any of the aviation stuff that we talked about or how you would react if the cabin door opened up mid-flight and are you calling, are you filming? I want to know. So podcast at travelpulse.com, shoot me an email. Now we're going to jump over to our theme of the week and that's around how travel experiences change lives. So Ryan, let's kick it off with how does a vacation in your eyes, how does it go from being more than just a vacation, which we all love and do, how does it go from being a mm-hmm. vacation, taking that travel to a life-changing experience? What are your thoughts there? I think that the the key component to making that switch from a vacation to something that truly has long-lasting impact is the uh, is stepping out of your comfort zone. I think it's um, choosing destinations that are interesting to you, um, but maybe a little intimidating. These are my absolute favorite types of trips to plan for clients are trips that um, are places that they're interested in, but they're a little nervous about, or they don't fully um, understand. And those are the trips um, that I find that they come back with the most worldview altering experiences and family memories. And uh, I think those are the trips that really kick off a deep love of travel and exploration and in people is, is when you get out of your comfort zone Um, and that, you know, a vacation, you know, to me is, is comfortable, you know, it's, uh, staying at a nice resort and enjoying lots of really good food and really great cocktails, reading a book on the beach, um, you know, doing a wine tasting. Uh, but I think it's the difference is when you go from, you know, just doing a wine tasting at a tasting room in, in Florence to, maybe having lunch with a local in their home in Italy where they don't speak much English and you don't speak much Italian and you're really getting that um, authentic, immersive view into Italian culture, just as an example. Yeah, and that's a great example. I mean, there's lots of different tour companies that provide those types of services and that's where you know where it's key to work with a travel advisor if that's you know life-changing experience is something that you really want out of your vacation and you want more than just your typical vacation, then that's always my, mm-hmm. my thought, you know, work with a travel advisor to any consumer listeners out there. You know, if you really want something that's, you know, life-changing and transformative travel there, like that, that's a good start. That's the foundation of how you want to have your vacation turn into a life-changing experience is to certainly work with an expert like Ryan or many other travel advisors out there to, to kind of guide you in that direction uh, as you, um, plan that vacation and everything. So just touch on a little bit more, Ryan, how has travel changed your life? And have you uh, seen any life changing? Do you have any examples of, you know, life changing travel experiences from your clients as well? Yeah. So I would say, you know, my, my biggest uh, life changing travel experience uh, that really, I think shaped uh, my, my life and my perspective uh, was my family went on a African safari the year that I graduated high school as kind of a, um, you know, this last time the family was all going to be under one roof. And uh, I'll never forget the feeling of being a minority, um, of being in Zimbabwe and and Zambia and being one of, you know, six uh, um, white people. And it was just a very impactful way that appreciated the privilege that I didn't even know I was living with at the time, um, both from a wealth and poverty standpoint, but also from a, this is what it feels like to be a minority in the world that we move through, you know, that I've been moving through for the last 17 years. Um, and I think that kind of experience 
helps you have compassion and understanding for other people um, when you are watching world news and, you know, uh, especially as, you know, I, I always kind of consider like teenagers are not the most evolved of, um, of beings. So, you know, you end up being kind of snotty and uh, thinking the whole world revolves around you. And then you go somewhere um, like a country in Africa where you really just appreciate everything that you have in your life from easy running water to a uh, home cooked meal um, to not having to worry about your physical safety on a daily basis. There's just so much I think that, that you can learn from, from putting yourself in, in places that you're uncomfortable. And I, I do remember being uncomfortable and being a little nervous. And it wasn't until I was a little older and I was like, huh, I was nervous because I was a minority and, you know, it just kind of changes you know, how you, how you interact with people. Um, and then to answer your, your other question with, um, clients, um, I do find that my clients trips to Africa and to South America, um, and in Southeast Asia are the ones that people come back really having their worldview changed and really have experiences that are, um, really impactful to, to them and and light that fire of wanting to do really unique uh different culturally immersive more more of those types of trips yeah stepping outside of that comfort box and, and really putting yourself out there and, and experiencing something new certainly is a key way on, on making that a life-changing experience and i think that's why it's really important too for families out there to really get their mm-hmm. kids traveling more and more and beyond just maybe the you know, one state over type of situation, or if you do a one state over, maybe make it an educational aspect to it so that there is a bit more than just, Hey, we stayed at a resort. We went to six flags and we, you know, got watched a movie or whatever. You could, you know, go every state nearly has some sort of themed type situation that you could dive into or whatever and movies and restaurants and things like that. So yeah, really just branching out and making it a bit more. Um, So how how do you advise those clients who really want these, you know, chasing experiences types of things and as opposed to, you know, the simple resort stays or how do you think advisors can use these types of trips, you know, post uh, trip or vacation to to their advantage and maybe help them land more clients? I think it's about um, really putting emphasis on getting to know the client, why they travel, what their interests and hobbies are, and then kind of keeping that client top of mind. So, I mean, we as travel advisors do do a lot of, like you were saying, we get a lot of emails across our desk and we do a lot of um, shows and meetings and conferences where we're meeting with people. And, you know, I, the clients that I know have had these really impactful trips, I kind of always keep them in the back of my mind where I'll meet with someone and I'll think, oh, you know who would love that? Client A. You know, this sounds just, this sounds like a perfect launch off from their chili trip. Like they're it's an easy, you know, an easy thing. Or, you know, you have people that, um, you know, following up with them and saying, you know, if you really loved your safari, like, please let me know if you know of anyone else that that might want a similar experience. Um, And again, I think social media is a great, a great way for that. One of my all time favorite trips that I've done in clients was a mother and daughter um, duo who uh, climbed Kilimanjaro together and then did a short safari afterward. And I just thought that that was such a incredibly cool experience to have one-on-one. And part of my job as the advisor was, you know, making sure that they were with the right group and that they were safe. And 
um, qualming the the father's fears of what he was nervous about with the two of them being in Africa on their own. And, and then seeing the photos afterward um, were just, it was just, it made me so happy to see this experience that these two had had together. And now having worked together for a number of years now, I, I know kind of what she's interested in, what the daughter is interested in, what the husband is interested in. And I'm able to kind of keep them in mind when I'm talking to other people or doing other trips. You know, you might find yourself working on a trip that's super immersive and you're talking about it, it um, either on social media or if you do a an email uh, news list. I like to be like, these are the kind of trips that I'm working on now. Uh, you might have someone that's like, oh, that sounds right up my alley. So just kind of, I always like to, to encourage advisors to to think of their clients um, when they're talking to suppliers and, and potential partners. Great advice there. Yeah, and I think social media is key on that, you know, using those photos to sort of make your other clients jealous and get the, the FOMO you know, going on on that one. I'm like, wow, I never really thought about going there. And that, FOMO those is pictures, very powerful. Yeah, right, exactly. So, because travel yeah. is powerful indeed. The power and, of FOMO. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And the, yeah. This, travel can be life-changing and it can stick with you and maybe even make you want to name your children after ch- child, uh, after travel experiences, which I want to, um, we did a story recently and I wanted to um, yep. put you on the spot here. Most popular, most popular travel-inspired baby names in the U.S. And I have the top three. There's a, we did the full 10 um, is up on Travel Pulse. You can check that out. But top three for boys and top three for girls. I'll, I'll list those off. But first, I want to see if you can guess the top for mm. boy or a top for a girl. What's your for girl? I'm gonna guess something Italian like Sienna or Senna. Um, no other girl names. Sydney. There you go. Yeah, Sydney it. is the number one most popular travel inspired baby girl name. Yeah. And for boys, I, I'm actually sitting with a Sydney in my office right now. Too, nice. so. <laughs> I'm looking at her. Um, maybe is Paris one? Yes, Paris is one in um, in the top 10 for girls. So the top three for girls, all this Sydney, Brooklyn and Alexandria, are the top three for girls. And then uh, real quick, do you have Brooklyn, a guess for yeah. for boys? For boys? Um, Dallas? Dallas didn't make uh, the top 10 on, on that. Um, boys. Boys' names are always hard. Uh, I don't know. You've got me stumped on the boys. All right. So number one was Hudson. Obviously, you know, Hudson oh, River being a jump yes, one. Yes, yeah. yes, Yeah. And then number two was Preston, which is interesting. It's an English uh, name with roots of the town Preston in Lancashire, England. And there's also one uh, cities in Connecticut and Idaho. So, And then Camden, huh. number three, which I thought was interesting. So two and three, they don't. Preston and Camden don't really jump out as travel to me. But so I, I do have to. Uh, four is a uh, Dakota. Yeah, Dakota is another one. That's the only name that made uh, it on uh, boys and girls top ten list was Dakota. So quite the popular. Uh, and that's one that I wouldn't necessarily associate with travel either. Right, it's more of a yeah state type of type of thing. Yeah, but was Lincoln on the list? Now that we're thinking of states. Uh, no, states it was not. Cities. Yeah, it was not on that. So. Um, interesting right yeah always uh, I mean but that's the power of travel you know you visit a city that's where I thought like Paris or London would be higher and crack the top three on those mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. no surprise about Sydney Brooklyn or even Alexandria I guess but yeah more so Brooklyn and Sydney yeah. being being super popular but I mean again that is the power 
of travel. Absolutely. So as we wrap up here, you see a lot you, with oh. uh, people naming their pets as well. Like I know, yeah. I mean, my, my own dog is named after a mountain range in Alaska, but a lot of people name their pets after their, their travel experiences. That uh, very true as well. So any, any closing tips or advice for fellow travel advisors, uh, as we close up here? Uh, mind the details. I think as we go into the summer, it's only going to get more hectic and making sure that all your T's are crossed and your I's are dotted are, are going to be our friend this summer. And, and again, like I was talking about before, just encouraging your clients, uh, to try and take the, to roll with the punches as they say, and, and embrace the wackiness that can be summer travel sometimes much like, you know, winter holiday travel always seems to have a few curveballs. Uh, I don't think the curveballs are are gone yet. <laughs> right. Yeah. Always be on your toes there. So that, that's a great advice and uh, great insights on everything. So Brian, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to jump on and talk all things travel here. I appreciate it. Happy to. Thank you so much for having me. And that wraps up our show this week, everyone. So thank you so much for listening. I'll be on the road at GTM in Fort Lauderdale later this week. So we will have shows though coming up for all of June. So be sure to look out for those. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.